Hello, everybody. This is Parsha Parsha Kisaitse. And the Parsha begins with the concept, the Parsha is called, of Yifas Tire, of the special leniency that Hashem gives for a Jewish soldier who, in the heat of battle, he can't control himself, he finds a non Jewish woman. And the Torah says a very unique concept that we're going to allow him to live with this woman, to marry her potentially. So to avoid him transgressing in Isser. We know, says the Torah, that many times a person in such a situation, he won't be able to control himself. And he'll end up transgressing the Isser. So we allow it for him, so that he doesn't get into the spiral of once he did one Isser, he'll do more Isser. So we make him mutter. It's not ideal. It's not what we want. We try to convince him out of it. He's supposed to let her sit there for a month and become ugly, and he'll realize that it's not what's good for him. But the Torah is willing to allow it because if he's in the heat of passion, he can't control himself, it's better this way. But what's interesting is, you look at the Rashi, Rashi says that this is only allowed by Amachemis Rishos. When the Jewish people are going out and fighting a regular war. However, when it comes to conquering Eretz Yisrael, when they're fighting a Amachemis Mitzvah of Kiva Sha'aretz, and they're coming to attack the Kenanim, it's not allowed. Those nations, Hashem doesn't let you fast tire. Why not? What's the difference? None of these people are a good idea for the Shidduch. This is a non-Jewish woman. He's not allowed to marry her. We're talking about a guy who can't control himself. So why, when it comes to one nation, we let him take you fast tire? When it comes to the Canaanim, he can't. Cesar Moshe Feinstein, it must be for a whole different reason. Why did Hashem command us to kill out the Canaanim? Because they got themselves to a point where they corrupted themselves they got so entrenched in Avera and in Taiva and Sin that there was no hope left. This was a nation which we can't accept Geirim from. They were so morally corrupt, their DNA became so messed up that we can't take them into Klai Yisrael. Says Ramayisha, yes, there's no question that for the father who has this overwhelming Gate Sahara and who might actually transgress the sin if we tell him he can't do it, there's no real difference between a Yafas Tayyar from Canaan or your fast tire from a different nation. But let's say we allow him to marry this Kenanis. What's going to be with his children? What kind of chinuch are we going to be able to give these kids? What kind of future are these kids going to have? Says Ramesha, when it comes to the father's own personal things, we rather matter him, we rather allow him something, so it shouldn't come to be over and over. But for the sake of the children, we can't let. And yes, he might stumble. Yes, he might fall. But we're not going to give up on the kids just because of that. When it comes to the kids, we demand more. We demand higher. We demand he pushes himself to his limits. For the chinuch, we ask for more. I heard a story from Zev Cohen. Of, there was once a rov somewhere in, in Livingston, New Jersey, maybe somewhere else. It goes back around 60 years ago. More probably. And... He was a rough, he had a very comfortable situation. He was a good firm person, he was a good firm rough. He was in a community which, at the time in America, you know, some people were, were doing better, some people were doing worse in their religiousness. But he himself had a very nice life. He had a nice big house. The shul took care of him nicely. In a very calm, peaceful existence. And one day, on Shabbos afternoon, one of the daughters came home, playing at a friend's house. And the mother noticed she had some egg on her face. A little bit of egg left over. 
she asked her, you know, where would you have? She said, oh, well, I said I was hungry. So my friend's mother, she made me an egg. Fine, so the mother didn't say anything. She told, spoke to the father. That Matzi Shabbos, they packed up, and they moved the whole family to Brooklyn. The rabbi resigned his job, they sold the house, and they moved to Brooklyn. And when they were in Brooklyn, they had a very hard time financially. They struggled. But the father decided that for the sake of the chinuch of his children, this is what had to get done, and they moved. So Rabbi Cohen says, you know who the children, one of the children of this family were? He says the son of these parents was Rosh Hashim Pincus. That's what came out of that kind of mysterious nefesh. But the point is that when it comes to the chinuch of kids, the Torah asks us to do much more. For ourselves is one thing. But for our children, we have to push ourselves. Later on in the parasha, we're given the mitzvah of Shiluah HaKain. If a guy comes upon a nest, and there's a mother bird, and there's eggs or chicklings, he has to chase away the mother bird before he takes the eggs, so as not to cause the mother bird the pain of seeing her children take him before. And there's a very interesting mission in Masechus Brachas that says, that if a person, when he's davening for the Amr, he's a chazan, and he wants to add a new prayer, and he says, Hashem, just as you are merciful upon the mother bird, so too should your mercy extend to us. Says the Mishnah, you quiet him down, you shut him up. Can't say that. Now, why not? What's wrong with what he said? Hashem seems to, seems to be merciful and care about the mother bird's pain. Let him be merciful upon us. So the Rambam Mayanavuchim learns that this Mishnah is going according to the opinion of a Tanayim that the mitzvahs, we don't have a reason that we can understand. They're xera, they're all a, basically a chayk, and we don't understand them. Whereas, says the Rambam, there's a bunch of other Tanayim who go, that mitzvahs do have a reason. And the Rambam brings different Mishnahis, different Brises, different Mamari Chazal, and he makes two opinions amongst the Tanayim, of whether or not mitzvahs have a reason they're supposed to learn from or not. That's the Rambam Mashita. The Ramban argues in the Rambam. And the Ramban over here goes at length, and he explains, try to encapsulate it, he says, the Mishnah is telling me something very fundamental. That Mishnah is going like a bracer he brings down, that there's a two ways to understand every mitzvah. Hashem tells us, Chase away the mother bird before you take the eggs. Now, yes, the mother bird is going to suffer if she sees the eggs taken, and that's why we tell her to chase them away. Who's the one who's going to lose out if the mother bird suffers? Well, obviously the mother bird. But is Hashem the one who he can't watch that kind of pain? Hashem cringes when he sees the mother bird suffering, and he says, please, please do me a favor. Don't make the mother bird suffer. I'll let you take the eggs, but... Don't make her suffer. I can't watch her suffer. Is Hashem sitting there caring about the mother bird? Or, says the Ramban, does Hashem care that I, when I go and I take those eggs, that if I go and cause another creature to suffer, I'll become a cruel person. I can cause another creature to suffer and it doesn't bother me? That makes me cruel. Says the Ramban, what the Mishnah is saying is Hashem, when he tells us not to take the mo- not take the eggs without chasing away the mother. It's not because Hashem feels the pain of the mother bird and he cares about her. 
Hashem gives us all the mitzvahs in the Torah for ourselves to become better. And when a person, person has to take the eggs because he needs to eat the eggs, okay, but don't become cruel. Don't become a sad, a person who couldn't care less about anybody else. Try to do it in a way that doesn't cause pain to others. The more we do our mitzvahs in the right way, the better we will become. So you're right. We can't go and say, Hashem, just has your mercy upon the mother bird, have mercy upon us. Because it's not about Hashem's mercy for the mother bird. It's not the reason for the mitzvah. The reason for the mitzvah is because Hashem wants us to act in certain ways that build ourselves to be more merciful, to be, to be nicer. It's about us. It says Ramban, we have to recognize every time we do a mitzvah, everything Hashem commands us, all these reasons that are given for mitzvahs, they're not for Hashem's sake. Hashem doesn't gain, doesn't get hurt, He doesn't get sad. Nothing we do affects Him, for better or for worse. Everything that we're given is to perfect ourselves. And that is the reason behind every mitzvah. The parasha continues and tells Klaiso that there's certain nations that they cannot marry in with. Amun Umayyav says the Torah, they're not allowed to marry into Klai Yisrael. And the Torah says two things. It says, number one, because they did not greet you with Lechem and Mayim. When you were traveling in the desert, they didn't, when you passed by their country, they didn't give you food and bread and water. And because they hired Bilam to curse you and to kill you out. Now, there's a few questions on this, on this mitzvah. Number one, there's a struggle with who did what? Did both Aaron and Mayav not give food and water? Did they both hire Bilam? They're on boundaries as different ones, the different things. But the, the, the juxtaposition of the Psukim is so strange. It seems like these are kind of the two of the same. Not giving you bread and water, and you're trying to kill you out. Seemingly, they're, you know, if someone didn't give you bread and water, okay. Someone tried to kill you out, that seems a little more severe. Number two, there's plenty of other nations who attempted to kill us and maybe even did do a lot of damage to Klai Yisrael. And yet they're allowed to marry in. Amun Amayev is not allowed to marry in. Furthermore, the halacha is well known that only the men of Amun Amayev are not allowed to marry in. Whereas the women are allowed to marry in. The Gemara says that the reason is because the men, their job is to go out and greet people. The woman, she's not supposed to go out. The Gemara says that Daigetaim, you had a question. Why can't the woman go out and greet the other women? That's okay. Women can greet women. Says the Gemara, call Kvuda de Basmelech Pinima. The covered sneeze for ladies to stay inside. She shouldn't be the one going out to greet even other ladies, but for her to leave the house and go out is not a good thing. Says the Mashiach Feinstein, these are the Benoist Mayav. These are the ones who went out and were Mazana with Klai Yisrael. They clearly aren't the most Tanua people in the world. So we're telling you, you know what? Oh, I wanted to go bring out water to you. Just I didn't feel like it was so modest to leave my house. Like really, remember what you did last year? What changed? So try to understand this parsha. Darkie Musser says that the reason the Torah could put the two things together of trying to hire Bilam to destroy you and not giving you bread and water is because the Torah is bringing out one root cause. The root cause is, like the Major says, Gemara tells us, Amun Umayyav had a debt of gratitude to Klai Yisrael. They come from Light, who was saved by Avram multiple times. And they were supposed to be Makertayv. 
They're supposed to have a debt of gratitude. They're supposed to take care of Klyistral. And they chose not to. They were kafei type. Someone did a favor to them. They ignored it. And they did, and they went on. In a root, it starts with not giving food and water, not going out to greet. And it can keep growing and growing to the point where you can even go hire a villain to try to kill them out. But the root cause, the mida, is the same. The mida is a mida of being kafei type. And that is why specifically they can't marry in. People do bad deeds. People have Yetzirahs. People do bad deeds all the time. That doesn't mean fundamentally that they are rotten. When a person is a fundamental Kafei type in their Midas, then they, their children, their grandchildren, we don't know if there's any hope for them because it's in their DNA. They, 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 they are people who don't have the Mida. They don't have that ability to just appreciate someone did a kindness for them. It's not that the Yitzhahara overpowered them. They were Kafei type. That's why Amin and gets singled out because their Midas are wrong. They didn't just do bad things. People do bad things all the time, unfortunately. But their meters were rotten, so such meters don't belong in Klai Israel. To the point where you look later, Klai Israel is told that we have to be nice to the Mitzrim because we benefited from them. The Midah of Akar Zatayv is being demanded from Klai Israel constantly. Says the says it's the same reason why the ladies don't get punished because just because they were Mazana in the story of Benayi Sumayev doesn't mean that they're fundamentally people who had no tzniyas. They had a Yitzhahara. They wanted to save their country. There was a story. We don't say that fundamentally these are people who had the mida of not having tzniyas. They had a Yitzhahara to do something. And they overpowered them. And they did something wrong. But still, the midas of the women of Mayav and Amain aren't necessarily messed up. And they're allowed to marry into Klai That's how, you can answer up all the problems with this, with this psukim. Now, you do see, though, that the Bible must point out that the Torah is showing us how crucial it is to be a makratayv. This is the midah that either makes it or breaks it, seemingly. And you look at Chayvah Savavas, he tells us that a Jew can build this whole foundation of Avaitis Hashem off of this midah of being makratayv. A person sits down and recognizes from the morning, from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed, how much Hashem does for him how good Hashem is to him, he can build his whole Avodah Hashem off that. And that's why it's such a fundamental midah for Klai Yishol to have. So I want to end off with one last part. It says, later in the parasha, Kiseitze machene alevecho v'nishmartem v'kol When you go out to fight a war and you shall guard yourself from all bad things. So Rashi Right away, comments that Archaim like this that you know you're not supposed to do bad things even when you're not fighting a war, right? So why are we telling you all of a sudden not to do bad things now? What changed? So Rashi says no because it's a shasak kana. When a person goes out to war, it's obviously very dangerous, and we're telling a person that now is the time to really be machmir, really be careful, and don't do any avarious because unfortunately, when there's a shasak kana, when it's a dangerous time, a person gets judged. And even the little things, even things which a person might have more time to repent for, during a sakana, he can get in trouble for them. And that's why there's a special commandment to be shamer yourself from doing bad things. That's the Rashi and Arachayim HaKadosh. The Ramban says something else, though. The Ramban says that if you look around, what happens in war 
is that even the best of people tend to go really, really down. They'll do stuff that they would never think of doing before. So as you look at the, you know, the army camps and stuff that goes on there, it's the worst of the worst. And it's from people who otherwise might not do that kind of stuff. And the Torah is coming specifically and saying, when you go out to the Machane, here is a special warning to hold strong even when you're going out to war. And the Altav and Kelm says, you see from here something very fundamental. A person is being faced with a challenge. Kali Yisrael is being told when they go to war, and the natural outcome is that in war there's many, 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 many Nisyanists. It's a very hard time. A person, adrenaline's high, a person's constantly afraid for his life, and a person's very high, ten- he's tense, everything's very tense, and, and all the burning desires a person has to do wrong things, they're magnified. How's a person face this struggle? Says the Altman Kellum, there's two ways a person can face it. A person can say, look, there's no way I'm going to be able to overcome myself and not do these affairs. So what happens? Says the Altman Kellum, what happens? A person crumbles on everything. Not only does he end up doing the bad stuff that he knew he couldn't control himself about, he ends up doing stuff that he could control himself about. He throws in the towel and he becomes a mess. The terrorist is telling you, no. The way you walk into a Nisayan, the way you face a struggle, is you say, I'm not bending the rules on anything. I'm going to fight for every inch. That's how you face a Nisayan. If you fight for Kol then Hashem says you'll be fine. You're going to have Hashem Shechina in the Machina. You're going to win. All the brachas are going to happen. If you give in right away, if you get afraid of the Nisayan and say, there's no way I'm going to make it, then you'll fail and you'll fail so low. Even stuff you never thought you could do, you would do. But if you go in with that attitude, there's not going to be anything wrong going on over here. Then a person could win. It says that if you look in Chazal, Maral talks about this, that Kaisro wore tefillin when they went to war. Maral says that could be the Shayad, they'd have to take off and put it on their head so they can use their, their weapons properly. But they wore tefillin when they were fighting and they had the urn with them when they were fighting to bring out this point where even when Kaisro is in the toughest times, when the Yitzhahara is the strongest, Kaiso doesn't bend and they hold to the highest of Madragas. Shall be Zaych to have a wonderful Shabbos and only keep growing.